Deuteronomy chapter 6 is going to be our text. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We are looking in the fourth sermon in our series, Me, We, Us, Relationships One-on-One. And we're looking today at parenting in 2023. What does that look like to raise a generation of followers of Jesus uh, in a culture that is so far from God? What is it like to impart truth and knowledge and and pray over and lead and direct our kids in a culture. And, you know, sometimes many people may look around and they watch what's happening on the, on the news. And, folks, I'll, I'll be honest, if you spend too much time watching the news, you will literally have, probably have a heart attack from the stress. Uh, you'll probably have a stroke uh, because it's, it, it's literally uh, every single story, it seems like it gets worse and worse and worse. And if you sit there and watch that, you can lose sight of God's word and how that Jesus Christ came to save us, to redeem us from all of that. And folks, we don't, that's not the end for those of us who know Christ. In fact, this is just a temporary uh, dwelling place. And those of us that know Christ as our Savior, we're preparing for heaven. We're preparing for that place, that time for all of eternity. We'll be in the presence of God. And I can't wait for that, looking long for that. Uh, I've mentioned many times as my kids are getting older, always prayed that the Lord would come back before they start dating and driving. Well, we're already there, and so uh, we're, we're just praying, you know, even so come quickly, Lord. I mean, the more you uh, see what's happening, and probably the best thing you can do is take some of those news apps off your phone or just don't even turn on the news at your house because I promise you, if it's major, you're going to hear about it uh, one way or another. But uh, just to be able to, uh, there's no greater opportunity than we have as parents in 2023 to invest in our kids and teaching them how to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. There's no greater discipleship that takes place than what happens at home. And it's, it's a difficult job. It's not for the faint of heart. In fact, parents, I want you to imagine, think back. Going back 20 or 30 years, some of us even, maybe even 40 years, when your parents started raising you. Think about, all right, we're just going to flash back to the 80s for just a moment. Uh, a, f- a few week, couple weeks ago, <clears throat> anybody remember this? Anybody who have this hairstyle, you wanna, and you're going to admit it, be loud and proud this morning. I mean, people saw you long before they actually got to hear you, but the hair entered the room first, but... All right, but the 80s was a, such a, a big time and big hair. There were neon colors. If you remember all of the styles, the color block shirts. Anybody have a shirt like this and want to admit it this morning? All right. I had one similar uh, to that. Uh, and uh, the Nike shoes that were so popular, the Air Jordans. That, uh, anybody have these? All right. You were absolutely from a very wealthy family. I mean, this is the upper. <laughs> you save for the, the 15 years to get that, but... I remember uh, as a child thinking, man, I would love to own a pair of Air Jordans, and it was not in the, the family budget, and uh, as much as I worked as a teenager to save money, I just couldn't bring myself to spend that kind of money on shoes. But Coca-Cola products were huge, and Coke and Pepsi were battling it out, and ultimately Coke won with the help of Michael Jordan. Nike uh, got big with Air Jordans, and uh, MTV had a huge impact on our culture, and that was the season when fads were spreading like wildfire because 
You would see it on TV. It was before social media. It was before cell phones and texting and all of those things. But folks, it was a time when things were changing rapidly. Parachute pants were popular. and I mean, some of those costumes and outfits. Uh, my kids came home the other week, and it was uh, 80s day at school. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, and, and my, my son's like, Dad, what do I wear that's from the 80s? And I was like, I don't know. Let's walk into your closet. And I see, I found a fluorescent green shirt. I'm like, here you are. You know, stick it on. Uh, so you have acid wash jeans. You can stick those on, some washed out. But, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to imagine as a parent back in those times, you can't even imagine what 2023 would look like. As rapidly as things were changing in our culture in the 1980s, it was nothing compared to what our kids are facing in 2023. How are we going to be successful? How do we navigate these challenging times to set up our kids for success in a world that they are getting ready to inherit? I'm so thankful that God's word is alive. Church, it's, it's living. It, it, it's alive and it's, it's radically uh, will give us direction. It gives us hope for a future. It gives us hope for our children. And, for, and folks, it speaks to the struggles that we have as a culture. God doesn't just send us out into a dark world with little, little to no direction. In our text this morning, we'll see a clear instruction for parents that's just as relative in 2023 as it was in the 80s or back in the day of Moses. God's word points us in the right direction. And I invite you to look at God's word, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. He's given him direction. He says that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes, his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. When you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Lord, there's so much happening this weekend with with students graduating from high school, uh, people are take, getting ready to take their next big step in life and open the next chapter of their lives, God. And Lord, we celebrate our, our graduates, God. We celebrate those uh, who today will take their next step in their, their walk with Christ. And 
Uh, some of them, many of them are uh, getting baptized today. I believe five of them are, will be baptized at the end of the service. We'll be doing a parent-child dedication this morning. We'll be introducing people who are, are joining the church today and, and taking their next step uh, in their walk with Christ. And God, would you just do a mighty work in the hearts and lives of each one present today? Whether a, a young person, whether an adult, whether a, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a grandmother, grandfather, aunt and uncle, great-grandparent, a friend of the family. God, each person who's gathered here today, would you speak to our hearts? God, help us to learn to love you above all else. God, when everything else is trying to distract us, Lord, that are trying to defeat us and discourage us, God, may we keep our eyes focused on you and loving you above all things. God, would you speak to our hearts, Lord, in the area of discipleship and, God, the importance of speaking truth into the lives of our kids and encouraging them as they take their next chapter in this life. God, would you speak to them, Lord, as they, uh, they step forward into a new environment, a new arena, Lord, to be a, a bright light for you, Lord, to point others that they come in contact with to a closer and deeper relationship with you. God, most importantly, if there's someone today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord, may this today be that moment where they understand they're convicted of their sin, and Lord, that you they would repent and turn to you and place their faith and trust in you for salvation. God, for that, we'll be careful to praise you, give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy is the fifth and the last book of the Pentateuch written by Moses. The theme is love and obey. And we're commanded in the, in the beginning of God's word to love God and to obey his commandments. So Moses was a man who knew God. He talked personally with God face to face and Deuteronomy is the result of that intimate knowledge plus the experience that he had gained over walking and wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. Imagine this morning uh, dealing with uh, all of the children of Israel for 40 years murmuring and complaining. All right, You've got one child in your house and they're about to drive you up the wall. Imagine millions, all right? Imagine millions of people that are complaining that are God's chosen people that have been, God has been so good to them and blessed them beyond measure, and yet they complain every single time something doesn't go their way. You ever have to tell your child, no, they're not going to do something? Last night, one of my kids came into our room and said, Dad, every other kid is doing this. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> I mean, I literally felt just like my father. And I was like, he's not going to like what I'm about to say. But uh, I kind of just, you know, put my shoulders back and said, no, hold on. Right there. N every child's not doing it because you're not doing it. Boy, it did not make them feel any better than it did me whenever I was 13 years old either. But it, it was a, a confidence of knowing that just because everyone's doing it does not mean it's the right thing. Folks, just because everyone is, is jumping off a cliff and everyone is doing jumping off a bridge does not mean that you do that. Oftentimes, there are, we're called to be different. We're called to be salt and light and to stand. And what they were wanting to do was go to an all-nighter uh, sleepover. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just not on a Saturday night, uh, not before our family vacation later this week. We don't want to be sick on vacation, so we're trying to keep everybody safe and healthy and well and all of these things. And sometimes you have to say no. But folks, as a follower, follower of Jesus, we've got to remember the children of Israel complained every single day. The fact the book of Deuteronomy was given 
to a new generation that wasn't familiar with the, the experiences on Mount Sinai where Moses got the Ten Commandments. They had heard about it. They had read about it in Hebrew history, but they weren't alive then. I think that it's interesting. Note Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy more than any other book. He quoted a passage from the book of Deuteronomy when Satan tried to tempt him in the wilderness. So it's, as Christ's followers, we must fall in love with the Word of God and hide it in our hearts if it's ever going to permeate our lives and our lifestyle. So let's see the lessons God wants us to learn this morning. Parents, we must grow and live out our faith on a daily basis. Mom and Dad, we must be in the Word of God daily. It'll be the hardest thing you do all day. Some of you may say, well, Pastor, I'm a surgeon, or Pastor, I, 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 I'm a college professor, or Pastor, I, you never understand all the things. That, the hardest thing you'll do is spend time consistently in God's Word every day. Why is that? Because the devil doesn't want you to feast on the Word of God. He doesn't want you to spend time allowing the Word of God to permeate not only your hearts, but your minds and, and direct your path. Because he knows if you do, you're going to say no to him every day. And you're going to say yes to God's plan. You're going to yield to his Holy Spirit's control of our lives. We must be challenged daily. We'll face adversity on every side. And in order to be victorious... Church, we must be walking in the Spirit and allow Him to control us. Our kids are watching how we respond to the trials of life. They're watching how we respond and see if we remain cool under pressure. When we allow circumstances in our lives to derail us, or we keep our eyes and minds focused on Jesus. Church, if we're going to find direction for parenting and search trying times, we must be fed a steady diet of God's word and, and prayer. It's the only way I can be successful as a parent in 2023. Mom and dad, how is your personal relationship with Jesus going today? How is your personal walk with God? Church, your frustration as a parent will be directly tied to your consistent walk with Christ or lack thereof. If you constantly feel like, man, I feel like, where is God in this trial? It's because, not because he's abandoned you or left you. It's because somewhere along the line, you said, you know, I don't have time today. I don't have time tomorrow. I don't have time next week. I don't have time next month. And it turns into weeks, months, and years. You know, one of the things that we were robbed of, of during the, uh, the pandemic was the, the community. The time of being around and exhorting one another, encouraging one another. And, and you get close. To, I remember coming out of church, everybody had their mask on. And boy, it was like a beeline to the car. And there was no fellowship. There was no, we're missing those moments. We're missing the, the people that you look, you look across and see that person across the aisle and say, Hey, man, I missed you. Hope things are going okay with your family. And you never know the encouragement that a conversation, a handshake, a hug, a prayer, a text, a call, an email may have in someone's life and where they're struggling. And, and we need that. We need that encouragement to stay steady in God's word. It's your personal relationship with God. Parents are most important. As you're growing, your kids will see you living out that faith on, in real time. They have a front row seat to seeing mom and dad's testimony in real time. Now, church, 
that can be convicting and humbling, church. It's scary because, folks, they're watching the way we respond. And if, if we're constantly blowing our top, if we're constantly giving everyone a piece of our mind, we're not walking in the Spirit. We're not allowing the Spirit of God to control us. Moses says in verse 3, he says, be careful to do them. We must be hearing and growing our relationship so that we can set a proper example for our kids. Psalmist said in Psalm 90, verse 14, Satisfy in the morn, us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. If we don't spend that time in God's word, we will not be prepared for the things that we're going to face for the day. It's important as a parent to be growing and showing our kids how to follow Jesus. Secondly, parents must learn to love God above all else. If you look at verse 4, it says, what's the most important thing in your life? What is the thing in your life you value the most? The things that we prioritize is the, the things that we treasure the most. And folks, if we're not careful, the love of our life can become our kids. Do you realize that's a sin? The love of your life can become your children. And you know what happens when they graduate? And they launch out into life. All of a sudden you look around and you're like, hold on. The thing I've given and devoted my entire marriage to these last 18 years, I've devoted to someone who's getting ready to leave the coop and fly away. And, and now I'm lost. The reality is the love of our life ought to be our relationship with Jesus Christ. And for church, whenever that takes place, nothing rattles us. When they prepare to launch from the nest, we're excited because we've been praying over them. We've been praying for God to prepare them for this very moment, and we're ready for them to launch. And you so some parents are like, man, I cannot wait. <laughs> They're out of the house, and I'm an empty nester, and I don't have to pay bills anymore. But folks, I don't think we're ever done parenting. In fact, my dad's not done parenting his three kids. And and you look at us, and you say, yeah, I can tell that too. But the reality is just it, the, the roles change. Then you're going more for advice. You're going, it's more of a companionship. It's someone you look up to and respect and you ask questions to gain wisdom. But he says, the relationship with God must be priority number one. That relationship with God must be number one. Number two must be your spouse, the person you made a covenant before God with. And then number three becomes your children. Somewhere down there below is, is, is the church and the relationship at work. And everything else has to find its take a number. Step back because there's other relationships that are more important. Verse 5, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. He goes on, he says, these words that I command you today, he says, shall be on your heart. As you fall in love with Jesus, he becomes the number one priority. We wake up thinking, God, what is it that you have for me today? What are the opportunities? Who are the people I'm going to encounter in this life that I am to point to Jesus Christ? I can shine brightly as a, as a witness. Christ must take first place. Then everything else gets in place. What he's saying is, this was referred to as the Shema. It was the basis of the entire Jewish faith and practice. So as these Israelite children were growing up, they were taught from day one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. All of these, they're, they're taught these as they get up in the morning. 
throughout the day as they're going through uh, eating and, and working and, and playing, whatever they're doing, they're taught to love the Lord above all else. Mom and dad, our kids will never have a love for God that we don't powerfully possess ourselves. They're not going to rise above where you're at. They're not going to have a passion for God when you have, do not prioritize a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't, come, if it doesn't become priority number one in your life. It will most likely never become a number one priority in the life of your kids either. It directly hinges on that. Fall in love with Jesus. Let him be the center of your life. Let him be the thing that drives you daily as you seek to grow deeper in relationship with him. That will be the thing your kids remember more than anything else. That ought to be the thing that they look back to. I remember my dad praying with me. I remember my dad talking about the word of God with me. I remember him sharing how God was challenging and changing him into an image of Jesus Christ. We saw a picture of this on Mother's Day in the life of Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and also in your mother Eunice as well. He says, I'm sure now dwells in you. So folks, what's happened is that growth and love for God is both taught and caught. As they're watching it modeled, it becomes their own. Over time, they begin to make decisions. Then as a college student, that reflects the love that their mom and dad have for Christ. But it also then becomes a love that they have for Jesus. Uh, and that motivates them to live for Christ. Then thirdly, we see... Parents must teach our kids to follow Jesus. Look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and, all your own, and on your gates. All throughout the 18 plus years, God allows us the privilege to shepherd our kids' heart. Church, we must be teaching them to love Jesus. Teach it to them. Be intentional. Moses says, teach them diligently to your children. That's intentional behavior on the part of the parents. Don't leave it to the church. Church, we're going to do our part, but we're to come alongside of you. God has given that role to mom and dad. Don't leave it to the church. You say, well, pastor, I put my kids in a Christian school. That's wonderful, but it's there to aid the job of the parents. Say, well, Pastor, I'm going to send them to a Christian college. We had a few of them mentioned that were headed off to Christian college. That's great, but the job solely lies on the mom and dad to teach them about Jesus. Every day you have an opportunity. It might be during breakfast. It might be during carpool. It might be during dinner time. It might be when you're throwing the baseball or the football in the backyard in the evening. It might be during homework or helping with that God-awful project that, you know, your kid just announced at 9 p.m. that they have a project that's due, when is it? Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And, and uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been to Dollar Tree uh, and then had to go on to Fuquay to Walmart to find uh, 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 a three p uh, opening poster board. I mean, we need to keep like 20 of those on st in stock at our house because I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I can't tell you how many of those I've gotten a notice at 9 p.m. that we need one of these display boards uh, to, to make the display. And, and then 
the kids are like, man, I'm so tired. If I don't go to sleep, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to survive tomorrow. And, and you're looking at your, I look at Tana and I'm like, whose project is this? I mean, when, our, when your kids walk across the stage, in case that's happening in a few days, uh, when they have the parents stand, we just recognize you. We need to give the, the gift to the parents because you've earned that. I mean, that, that cap and that tassel belong to mom and dad because you've helped them get across that finish line and helped them with all these projects. But the reality is, is every one of those opportunities during sports practice, before bed, take time, be intentional in talking about their day and how God is desiring to work in their lives. But he goes on, he says, also be relational. The Christian life is built on relationships. So he says, as you rise up, as you sit down, as you lay down, as you get back up the next day, you're being relational. You're teaching them how to have a relationship with Jesus. It happens as you do life together. You're helping them with that assignment. Talk about the Lord. Do you realize that this, even in a public school, your kids have an unbelievable opportunity to shine brightly for Jesus Christ. I remember hearing my daughter talk about her learning disability and how her faith in God challenged her to stand up and live for God and to trust God and rely on Him when everything else was going wrong. And folks, she could be a witness, your child could be a witness in a public school setting, in a college setting, by sharing their faith when they get up in, a, in front of a classroom to share their story. And oftentimes they want them to share personal illustrations. Talk about your faith. Talk about how Jesus Christ has transformed your life. We have such an influence on our kids. They're listening. They're watching. Then fourthly and lastly, parents, we must prepare our kids to launch like arrows. In verse 12, he's saying we've got to prepare them for that next phase of life. Tan and I will celebrate 22 years this Friday, June 9th. We've been reflecting recently on this time next year, we're going to have a college graduate, a high school graduate, and two middle school graduates. Next year is going to be a big year. A lot going on. And I'm starting to get those feelings of how short our time that we have left is. And we've got to prepare them to launch into life. And we're blessed with 18 years, but ultimately we are to train and prepare them to stand on their own two feet and develop their own faith in God. We must prepare them for that next moment in time. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. He says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. God has given us an opportunity as we're training them, as we're sharpening them, as we're preparing to launch them into life, we're sharpening that arrow and getting them ready so that we can launch them out into a world to shine brightly for Jesus Christ. Today, this morning on the stage, we recognize all of the graduates. Your time here as a high school student, as a college student, some of them are done and they're getting ready to launch into either their college career or their actual working career. In a few moments, we'll do that parent-child dedication. What a precious time to reflect on the formative years of a child and the opportunity as a, as a parent to set an example and to point them towards Jesus Christ. Later on, we'll have baptism, and 
people are taking their next step in their journey. Folks, we've got to prepare people for the life that God has called them to. Look how Moses put it in verse 10. He says, when you're ready to launch from this place, he says, don't forget the Lord. Don't forget what God has done in your life. Don't forget how he's provided every step of the way. Don't forget he's a good father. He's the one who sustains us in all of our trials. Moses didn't want the Israelites to forget the slavery they were at in Egypt and how God had delivered them. He says, when you get to that new land, to houses you didn't build, to cisterns that are dug that you didn't dig, he says, don't forget what God has done. Say, Pastor, what's the application? For those of us who, who have graduated, those that we recognize this morning who are preparing to launch, Paul had words of encouragement. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's for you, continue in what you've learned and have been firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from a child you, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Young people, don't forget the upbringing. Don't forget the testimony. Don't forget the witness. Don't forget the example. All of the, the investment that has gone into your life up to this point. Don't forget it. Graduates, go shine brightly for Jesus. This is the moment you've been training for for 18 to 21 years. God's been preparing you for this very moment in time. Parents, let's take serious the responsibility to lead and set a godly example of loving God and growing in our own relationship with Him. Parents, grandparents, family members, friends, let's take this opportunity to invest in those intentional relationships. Be intentional. When they leave for college. Mom and dad, if you're having any impact whatsoever, it's your responsibility to make sure when they move off to college and every temptation is coming their way, you're constantly and consistently not nagging them, but pointing them, directing them towards Jesus Christ. You say, well, pa Pastor, I believe whenever they leave my house, my opportunity for influence is gone. No, it's not. The role's just changing. If you're helping pay that school bill in any way, shape, or form, whether it's registration fees or books or tuition, room and board, or any of the above, you know what you can say? Same thing I've told all of our kids. You might not live under our roof, but if we're helping you in any way, shape, or form, you will be at church on Sunday. God will remain a part of your life as long as we have any say in it. You say, well, Pastor, that's, that's wrong. No, it's not. If our kids aren't behaving, we take this phone away from them. You have an opportunity to say, if I'm going to have any part in this, you're going to stay. You know what? That's what they need more than anything else is a consistent parent who's going to say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to lead you in the right direction. And you're there as a sounding board when they start having struggles and, and doubts and 
when they come home on break, you're having an opportunity to say, hey, well, what's been the most difficult or challenging thing you faced this semester? Talk them through it. Walk them through it. What it means to rely on the Lord, to, to pray and to trust God when you have no earthly idea what the outcome's going to be or what the future. When they talk about the future, well, why don't we get on our knees beside our bed and why don't we pray? God, would you direct my path? As Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, he directs our path as we seek him, as we seek his heart, as we want to hear from him. God will direct the paths. He, he makes his, his way straight before us. His word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Church, as we pray, as we encourage, God will direct them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Set the example. The role that you play changes as they mature. It changes as they launch. But don't underestimate the influence you have in their life. Holy Spirit, would you speak to hearts this morning? 